Hey, you, listening to this podcast right now. Do you ever think, man, there are so many kick-ass market research podcasts. I wish there was some sort of an award for them so I could go and vote for my favorite. Well, you're in luck. The Market Research Podcast Award is back. Vote for your favorite podcast in the insights industry and bestow upon them the title of MR Podcast of the Year. Nominations are now open and you can submit your favorite podcasts at littlebirdmarketing.com slash MR hyphen podcast hyphen award. Submissions close on June 30th, 2021 and are followed by a round of voting. The winner will be announced in October at Greenbook's IIEX North America. Hello and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. I am Priscilla McKinney, your host today, founder, CEO, and little bird mama over here. So I have with me an amazing guest, someone I've met through Friends of Friends, so immediately we're BFF. So welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, Dana Kim. Hello, thank you. So happy to be here and to be BFFs already. Yeah, exactly. If you come to me through Nikki Lavoie and Kristen Luck, forget it. We're going to vacation <laughs> together. That's the way it is. <laughs> I'm on my way to Kansas. <laughs> All right. I love it. I love it. Well, this is really interesting, Dana, because I have not yet had a guest on the podcast who does what you do. And so I think it's going to be really interesting for my audience. And just to give you a little bit of a, of a peek, and I'll let Dana speak for her herself, but she is the founder and CEO of Highlight. And they are actually, there's two parts we're going to talk about. First of all, you're a venture-backed startup, right? But then you also, you offer this agile in-home product testing, and you send these out to people through these amazing curated discovery boxes. So Mm -hmm. Uh, Her whole team works with, uh, you know, like enterprise brand partners, you know, think Purell, Ocean Spray, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Kellogg, et cetera. And uh, they actually do this very intense and very specific in-home product testing. So Dana, tell us about, we're going to break it up into two things. Let's talk a little bit about the being venture backed startup, because I know that's difficult. It has its own interesting um, journey to it. And then we're going to get into really what you do day to day. So tell us a little bit about that. How did you start it and why did you go venture backed? Yeah. Yeah. My gosh. It's a long winding road. I think as most (laughs) founding stories are. Um, And it has a lot to do with the current pandemic environment we sit in. Um, So my background traditionally is market research agency side. I worked in traditional qualitative research, did a ton of central location tests and traditional product testing as as most see it. Um, And I actually left that world, the stable agency life um, for entrepreneurship, realizing that there was some real opportunity to improve specific specifically the product testing, physical product testing process. Mm -hmm. Um, So being able to get product in hands at scale, faster, more efficiently um, within product development timelines, uh, that was the goal. Yeah. Uh, So I left and I created, uh, I I thought of the idea for Showcase, which is, uh, you know, highlight um, 0.0. In a (laughs) pre-COVID world, we launched as Showcase vending machines. Um, so this uh, early iteration of, of our platform really meant that consumers um, would walk to these walk up to these machines, get products in exchange for feedback via our app, and that would give brands access to product testing at scale. Um, we launched, um, I was a solo founder back then. Um, I've since brought on an amazing co-founder. 
Um, but in vending machine world, I was, you know, a solo founder, um, building an MVP of an app, building a custom machine, um, which was all, you know, a lot of Googling and asking favors and figuring <laughs> things out. Um, but we launched in Jan of 2020, um, our machine number one. Um, and, and that was, you know, six weeks prior to the whole world shutting down and, you know, vending machines being very expensive pieces of metal. <laughs> so um, initially, you know, the idea was bootstrap and do it myself and, um, you know, get a company off the ground. But um, given we really needed to pivot quickly um, and figure out a new way to reach consumers, um, it was pretty necessary to bring on funding at that point. I tapped, you know, all my savings and, and resources allocated. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, I mean, you think about some of the craziest stories about what we were doing January 2020 and how that completely changed April 2020. I seriously, I mean, I remember the last day of February, uh, I was on a stage in Amsterdam and I was talking about digital transformation and about how, you know, B2B teams absolutely need to uh, collaborate online. It's not just about being on sales, you know, online, but there's so much happening out, you know, in B2B world, if you have the prowess to really know what you're doing digitally. So mm-hmm. this like speech bubble is almost like hanging over my head as I'm walking down off the stage, admonishing people, look, if your entire team is not going through digital transformation and does not understand how to use social media, then you're not you know, gonna miss out on the future. It's mm-hmm. happening today, but you're actually behind, you know? And I swear that speech <laughs> bubble is like hanging over me as I walk yeah. down and then someone says yeah. something about COVID and I'm like, uh, yeah, I need to get a flight home, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what a what yeah. a difference a year makes but so that that's so mm-hmm. interesting because that would be so deflating to so many people to have this mm-hmm. amazing idea finally get lift off and boom the product comes to market or at least your mechanism to go to market mm-hmm. really is and i you know i use the word a, a flop and it's not because of any you know yeah. any reason in itself of the idea but the environment is completely shifted so i just have to say just kudos to you for going on this is the entrepreneur yeah. spirit and really, really changing pace. So let's talk a little bit about how you did change pace because now you do these in-home product testing Mm -hmm. uh, trials through curated discovery boxes. So tell us about that. How does that, what's the process of that? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, really we realized um, even though the vending machines, that physical distribution model were rendered, um, you know, pretty useless, um, pretty, pretty immediately. Um, the need was still there to get product in hands. Um, quant and qual are getting faster, better, easier online, but physical product testing is just an untapped space. Um, so we, you know, we wanted to, we believe the idea of, of making this um, a more efficient, democratized, accessible experience. Um, and if not via vending machines, then how? Um, and of course, quarantine and pandemic was forcing all of us, um, brands and consumers in home. Um, so we needed to go where the people were um, and the natural pivot and, and really only place to go was to send products in home where the, the people are. Um, so we really quickly, um, you know, reskinned our app to be a box facing app. We stood up the operational capabilities to send boxes nationwide. Um, we knew that, you know, it was pivot in this way or, or you know, our company would fold. Um, and so it was um, a pretty swift pivot. Um, and as soon as we started sending boxes, we realized that, um, you know, we were onto something where, uh, you know, in-home usage testing has been uh, a, a methodology for years and years and years for product testing. 
um, but oftentimes they are, you know, one part of a larger capability set. They're one off done once in a while. Um, and they're difficult to get off the ground. There are people packing in, in offices and printing inserts and making sure it's going to the right address and sending tracking numbers and it's just operationally really complex. Um, and if we can get really good at that, at you know, identifying the right consumers, at picking, packing, shipping the products in a um, you know, really efficient way, quick turn, um, nationwide, all that good stuff, um, and take that lift off of our brands, um, that was a huge, huge value add. Um, and I think what's really cool is on the other side, um, in-home usage chests have always existed, but they haven't always been really fun. Um, and to your point um, around, you know, we, we offer what we call curated discovery boxes. We own our own panel and all of our community members that we call highlighters. Um, they love getting the boxes because they're boxes of cool new products delivered to your door. Um, and you just have to give feedback on the items that you get. Um, so it doesn't feel like um, I am a guinea pig or I'm taking the super dry survey. It feels like, wow, I'm getting access. First look, I'm chosen to really give critical feedback to this product um, that will soon be in market um, and in a better and more improved way um, because of me and my input. Oh, I love that. And, you know, another person that we're mutually connected to is Lisa Wilding Brown. And mm -hmm. she uh, talks about panel um, in, in the metaphor of the polar ice caps. And she says, you know, once they're gone, they're gone. <laughs> and, and I love what you're saying there. Let's kind of unpack that a little bit, because first yeah. of all, you're saying you own your own panel. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, you're saying that you're really very thoughtful about the CX. So what mm -hmm. is this, this, uh, this respondent feeling? Is there joy in the process? Do they feel like they're a part of some intimate circle? Is it a special experience? Because if yeah. we don't treat that uh, respondent in a way where we understand that we can't make it boring, you know, we can't make it, you know, uh, useless or tedious or a chore uh, mm -hmm. or feeling like they, you know, it, it's pointless, like they could give their opinion, but nobody's going to listen kind of thing. If we are not careful about that experience, we're yeah. not going to have the most valuable part of research, which is, Mm -hmm. respond it anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I love yeah. that. It feels like your company is really honed in on that CX of, of the actual respondent to say, yeah. we know that when people are more engaged, more joyful, more uh, in tune with the point, mm -hmm. then they are going to provide more insightful, um, uh, you know, responses. So, yeah. so dig into that a little bit for me. What, what have you found? You call them highlighters. I love that yeah. because that's saying that, you know, it is special that you have your own little, you know, little circle uh, of people you're caring for. So tell us a little bit about what it's like to be a highlighter. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely um, a, it's a community, it's not a panel, it's, you know, it's a, a group of members that apply to be a part of our highlighter community that then have access to all these incredible products um, and are empowered to give feedback that actually makes a difference. Um, so I think typically as a panelist, it's a very transactional, um, you know, respondent experience where I pay you X for your time, you give me why, and you never hear from me, great, thanks, done. Um, I walk away with a gift card, um, and, and that's that. Um, our, our experience is very different where we, you know, not only because we have um, sort of aggregated product testing and have a constant flow of emerging and, and enterprise brands moving through our system, we're constantly engaging our respondents. Um, we're saying, you know, hey, this is an offer specifically for you because you gave such thoughtful feedback last time. Uh, we give, you know, the, the typical sort of um, 
uh, rewards are not um, in play in our system. We sent emails saying, wow, your feedback was so Im impactful in the last time you, you know, um, uh, responded to the, the kombucha survey. Um, they actually took that and incorporated it into V2. Thank you, you were right. And here's a promo code for, you know, their next launch. Um, we follow through and close the loop. So we always make sure to A, just encourage and say thank you for really positive, overwhelmingly thoughtful responses. Um, and B, we close the loop and tell our community, our highlighters, the um, impact of their feedback. So because you said X, brand is doing Y, and that is thanks to you. Um, and that is super, super motivating because at the end of the day, um, our, our community really wants to feel like the time and effort they gave to, to this uh, brand and to this product um, went somewhere. And so right. by us closing the loop and saying, really, this is, this is thanks to you, it's super motivating. Uh, we encourage open-ended questions and responses and our open-ended response length is tremendously long. It's, it's 20 words on average because people really like to tell us what they think. It's not that typical, like, one word frustrating response. It's, you know, paragraphs of, oh my gosh, I love this so much. This is how it compares to my current blank. This is how it could be better. Um, and that's because there is so much um, sort of encouragement that your feedback goes somewhere. Mm, everybody wants to be heard. Why, why yeah. is it so complicated? We totally <laughs> understand this, but let's unpack a little bit uh, the amount of work that that takes. Cause I'm, I'm eating it up. You're saying how hey, we close the loop, we get back with people and we tell people, mm -hmm. and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, in my mind, I'm just adding up the dollars of how much labor it yeah. takes for you yeah. all to get that information back and forth. So, you know, what, when I look at the idea and the model for highlight, I'm really thinking this is an amazing case for specialization in market research because I could see that a generalized uh, agency could not tackle this, uh, you know, as a one-off type of thing. It would be a nightmare. All the lessons learned, they'd be like, oh, we're never doing that again. So yeah, um, yeah. so tell us a little bit about the logistics and, and kind of some lessons that you've learned along the way. Um, sure. Yeah. Or anything else interesting about really what that means to really get those things out in front of consumers. Totally. So um, we are, we're a tech platform at our core. Um, and so as much as possible, we want to have really thoughtful CX to your point um, and automations across the whole sort of customer journey or respondent journey. Um, and that means that everything I'm talking about from reminders to complete your survey, to thank you so much, your feedback went somewhere to here's what came of your feedback. All of that stuff is not um, you know, someone sitting at their computer sending emails, it's our backend developers loading up, you know, impact of feedback or, you know, um, developing the algorithms to identify really helpful feedback, um, tagging those consumers, sending these motivational emails. Um, it's, it's very um, sort of smart in the way that um, we're able to encourage and um, really uh, just um, motivate our community at scale. Um, in a non-labor intensive or super manual way. Mm -hmm. So we're, um, you know, we're, we're a small team, but half our team is developers. And, and um, that is really speaks to how much we invest in um, the technology that can power this and keep this going as we grow. 
Right. Well, I speak a lot about the power of digital transformation inside uh, companies. And I do speak about it a lot in terms of social media. But what you're talking about is that digital transformation thinking, how can we do this better? How can we automate what we can automate? Not so that we become robots uh, as a company, but the opposite, so that we use the technology for what needs to be automated so we can then have more space to be human and have that amazing CX with mm-hmm. our with, with our constituents. So I want to ask you an interesting question about what happened during COVID because my view is that, you know, where technology sometimes had not infiltrated the gen pop, Mm -hmm. (laughs) now so many more people are so much more comfortable on technology. So Mm -hmm. you have grandparents zooming, you know, you have (laughs) an app to shop now. Now it's not just a certain small piece of segment of the population. Um, Mm -hmm. People in general are more comfortable with technology. And so I'm wondering, since you own your own panel, how has this impacted who you can reach and who can participate? Um, Has it expanded it a lot? Have you noticed that kind of a change with your Mm -hmm. own panel? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we, uh, we definitely, um, we work very hard to make sure that our panel is balanced to census and we are able to reach older demographics that might not traditionally be um, as comfortable and tech forward. Um, and we find that um, we have had no issue with, um, you know, any demographic older or younger um, really accessing our technology and giving us their thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think, a function of, of course, on our end, trying really hard to make it as simple as possible. But at the end of the day, if folks don't know to check their email up in their app, then they're not going to. Um, and people are, I think, more on top of their email than ever, um, more accepting of new technologies and new brands and new apps than ever. Um, and that's allowed us to, to you know, reach more and more consumers. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, I think it's, it's a really interesting point. Um, and I think um, really favorable for you know, tech-enabled platforms, um, just really opening up the, the sort of reachable audience. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk with a lot of clients a lot about getting that space, that coveted space on someone's phone, getting someone to download your app. Mm-hmm. Do you have any experiences with that that you would share? Like what what pitfalls or, you know, mistakes you guys made or something amazing that you guys did that really got you to a high, you know, a high conversion number when it comes to people actually putting that app and giving you the real estate on their phone? Yeah, so we actually don't have a mobile app that's downloaded off App Store. We have a web app um, that most folks end up just logging into right on their browser um, and that they could pin to their homepage if they want or pin to their phone um, home if they want. So we actually, um, because of that reason, because of not wanting to be yet another app to download, because of not wanting that sort of high friction point, um, we didn't go mobile app first. Uh, We went web app first, um, and that's definitely... Um, been helpful, um, especially in, I think there are, um, for folks that are used to market research, um, to being market research respondents, there are hesitancies around new players coming to market and wanting to commit to one and giving up information. Um, So being able to say, you know, no download necessary is is definitely um, a, a key component. We do. um, Interesting. That is really, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's great. It's um, it looks and feels like just an app, but there is no download required. Um, The biggest sort of lift that we have is, is verification Um, just because on our brand side, we want to make sure that everyone feels really confident that they're reaching who they think they're reaching. 
Mm -hmm. Okay. I love that. So you'd mentioned that about brands and what brands want. So let's go that direction. Mm -hmm. So who is your most ideal client? I know that you're working on enterprise CPG, um, but you typically go directly to client, but you also have some agencies who need that specialization who are calling you. So Mm -hmm. tell me about what problems are emerging for the person who is the most ideal client for you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Right now, due to COVID, and I think even lasting effects beyond product testing in facility and in person is, is almost impossible or very, very difficult. Um, so anyone that is doing any sort of product testing, central location tests, intercepts, in-home usage tests, um, we're happy to, to help you kind of scale that function up and out. Um, we can send you know hundreds, thousands of products out a day. We have our own full warehouse. We can um, really handle refrigerated, frozen beer, wine, liquor, um, the world is our oyster in terms of moving product and getting it in hands for, for feedback. Um, like, like you mentioned, we've worked with some really incredible companies um, and we are, you know, constantly looking for, you know, more brand partnerships. We just kicked one off today with Mondelez, which we're excited about. Um, but there are, uh, I think you mentioned Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Gen Mills. Those, those are our dream clients. And, and those are folks that we'd love to work with as well as agency folks that are servicing those um, clients and, and needing to get product testing off the ground, but not wanting to deal with the packaging up of product and sending it across and making sure that the surveys get completed. Um, one thing I didn't mention um, is that because we have our own panel and such an engaged, empowering community and ethos, we have a 90% survey completion rate, which is super, super high where we don't ever send product in home and, you know, worry about where it's going to go or if we keep our fingers crossed around, you know, is we just never going to hear back? Um, and that's really important. I think that's a really high pain point for um, typical in-home usage testing is like, you know, making sure that once you send the product out, will we get the feedback? Right. Well, that's really to your point about the CX, because someone might be able to figure it out logistically how to do it, but Mm -hmm. how do you just keep cultivating that relationship and make that so much deeper so that you get that response rate, maintain that response rate (laughs) over time and, and also keep bringing new, new um, people into the panel, right? The lifeblood of, of being able to circulate those people. So also Mm -hmm. I do think, you know, in terms of, uh, in terms of what's happening at big brands and also at larger agencies, you know, with COVID and a lot of layoffs there, I think people who had at one time insourced were on that other side yeah. of the door again now where people are looking more to outsource some of these projects. And yeah. I know that in market research, it's like, it's the revolving door. Sometimes yeah. it's very yeah. cool to insource. It's very cool to outsource. Yeah. But you know, I just don't think that we're in an environment right now where people are looking to take more of those kinds of specialized things in-house. So I, do, do you yeah. agree with that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think we, even some of the conversations we're having now with market research agencies is even if you didn't have this capability at all before, it's more and more being asked for. So can we be, we're happy to be behind the curtain and powering your agency and getting product in hands for feedback and just giving you that super quick turn, efficient capability of, of, of IHUDs really. Awesome. Okay. Well, I've just got to say it right now though. If you do get that Jen Mills um, client and they want to test Lucky Charms, can you please just give me a call? Because I have a lot to say. And also, uh, also my birthday is on St. Patrick's Day. So I feel incredibly qualified to tell you just how much I love Lucky Charms. Oh my gosh. Well, happy belated recent birthday. 
and we will definitely call you up again. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Okay. So what, let, let's kind of end here. I want to hear what's next, what's exciting for you. Like, what, what are you thinking about? This has been an, obviously a wild ride for you through COVID. Yeah. I mean, it just like went from crazy launch to completely yeah. change your plan to hello COVID. And, yeah. uh, and now you're getting some really great wins. So what are you excited about at Highlight? Yeah, um, I think, I mean, exactly to your point, we've been going directly to big CPG and we've been doing really well and growing our brand partners, but I'm excited about the market research agency partnerships that we're just now starting to build. Um, I think there's, um, I've been incredibly impressed and amazed by the market research community, you know, how I met yourself. I mean, there's just such a tight knit um, collaborative environment um, in, a, in a space that I thought would be much more competitive. Um, and so I've been really, really just encouraged and amazed and impressed by um, the folks in research that I've met. And I hope that we can figure out, you know, ways to work together that have helped us all build bigger. And I'm excited about um, that next phase of us going um, beyond direct to client and, and working with, um, you know, the companies around us to provide something great. Right. I love this. And for everybody who listens to this podcast all the time, they know that I'm prepared to die on the hill, that collaboration is the new competition. I mean, I have a series on it. I'm writing the freaking book. I believe in it. I believe in it. And, you know, I know other people who are in your same space, but they are also very generous and abundant professionals who believe that we can help each other and we can figure out how to, even within uh, where we overlap, maybe in some competition, how -hmm. we can still collaborate and make something better, not only for our own teams, but for the the brands that we serve. And then Mm -hmm. up to your point, I mean, the biggest thing that I love, 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 and our biggest takeaway from what you've shared today is really how important it is to take care of that panel, take care Mm -hmm. of that community and Mm -hmm. really understand that, you know, the people giving the feedback are absolutely the lifeblood of this industry. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Well, Dana, thank you so much for joining us, for taking your time. And I'm so excited because now I finally have had someone with in-home product testing in a very different, you know, on a very different take. Um, Just that specialization is just really interesting. So I know that, you know, our connections are through Women in Research, and I just want to give a shout out to that, uh, to that organization. It's always free to join. If you want to meet amazing people like Dana Kim and get to have a conversation and feel like you can be BFFs forever, um, immediately. (laughs) then you need to join your local wire chapter. It's, it's, it's global, but yet we get together on some uh, smaller chapters and obviously at the different conferences, once we start meeting again uh, Mm -hmm. together, then we'll be able to see each other face to face. And it's not just for women, it's for men too, who are there for the promotion of women within this research uh, Mm -hmm. community. So please make sure you go visit womeninresearch.org, check out what you can find out for free. Dana, how can people connect with you? Where would you like these major enterprise (laughs) CPGs come needs to send you a message saying, sign me up, Dana. Yes. yes. Uh, well, firstly, our website is letshighlight.com. Um, and then my email is Dana at letshighlight.com. Um, and, you know, always, always open to chat, whether you're, um, you know, a woman in research, whether you are an agency, a client, a this or that, I'm, I'm always, um, you know, open to, to be a part of this community and have conversations. They're always interesting especially this one. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I really appreciate the time. Super fun. Well, from all of us here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.